Galatians chapter 2. And we're going to just start off by reading verse 20. Very, very familiar verse. If you haven't highlighted this one, it's a good one to memorize and to learn. It's a great truth about what the gospel is in the scriptures. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We'll start with the illustration this morning, again, about the idea of the gospel, and especially as we think about VBS this week. I want to know if, if we think that the kids that we're ministering to will understand the gospel versus just being a, a nice and a kind and a moral person. So listen to this illustration from Elise Fitzpatrick, and I think it kind of conveys that point about we need to make sure that we're passing down the gospel. She says, the primary reason the majority of kids from Christian homes stray from the faith is they never really heard it or had it to begin with. Scratch the surface of the faith of the young people around you, and you may find a disturbing deficiency of understanding of even the most basic tenets of Christianity. This is illustrated by a conversation I recently had with a young woman in her early 20s who had been raised in a Christian home and had attended church for most of her life. After assuring me that she was indeed saved, I asked her, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? She replied, well, it means that you ask Jesus into your heart. Okay, all right, but what does that mean? Well, it means that you ask Jesus to forgive you. Okay, but what do you ask him to forgive you for? Bad things? I guess you ask him to forgive you for bad things, the sins you do. Like what? A deer in the headlight stared back at me, and so I thought I'd try a different tack. Why would Jesus forgive you? Well, she fidgeted, um, because you ask him? I asked, well, what do you think God wants you to know? She beamed, he wants me to know that I should love myself and that there's nothing I can't do if I think I can. And what does God want from you, I asked. He wants me to do good stuff. You know, be nice to others and don't hang around with bad people. Apparently, Elise says, we've transformed the holy, terrifying, magnificent, and loving God of the Bible into Santa and his elves. And instead of transmitting the gloriously liberating and life-changing truths of the gospel, we have taught our children that what God wants from them is morality. We have told them that being good, at least outwardly, is the be-all, end-all of their faith. This isn't the gospel. We're not handing down Christianity. Whoa. That's kind of strong, isn't it, right? Today, as you look in the scripture, I want you to be able to start again separating the culture from the gospel, okay? It's going to be really clear, I think, as we make our way through some of these passages what that is. So a super quick review from last week, Galatians 2, 16b. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be 
justified. Have you guys got that figured out yet? We've only said it a hundred times already in Galatians, haven't we, right? Okay. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. You will not and cannot be justified by keeping the law because you're not able to keep them all. You're not. Peter, remember last week, he came to Antioch and he was eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles, eating their food, having a good time with them. But when his friends showed up from Jerusalem, his tune changed and his hypocrisy was revealed. Remember that? Again, how those works creep in, even to people of faith, that idea of pleasing others and earning our way to God, it gets in the way. You remember last week that Titus was not compelled to be circumcised as a reminder that salvation is through faith and not through circumcision, not through the keeping of the law. Are you expecting God to accept you because you are a good person, just like that girl we talked about, a hard worker, or a keeper of laws? Or are you expecting God to accept you because you have received the gift of his one and only son, Jesus? Core to the gospel. All right, let's look at rebuilding what has been destroyed. And to me, this is the temptation that always inhibits me and in my life. And I think for a lot of you, it's a temptation for you. I want you to see today if you can recognize this. And hopefully we can encourage each other to avoid rebuilding what has been destroyed. Look down at verse 17. Paul says, but if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean Christ promotes sin? Well, absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Do you see what the Gentiles are doing to these Jewish teachers? You mean to tell me that these wicked Gentiles who've never had the Torah, they've never had the law of God, that they can actually be accepted by God just by believing in Jesus? Well, that's not right. Surely they need to be circumcised. Surely they need to avoid these foods. Surely they need to do these special days. Surely they need to come into the synagogue, right? They need to do things the way we do things, and then God will accept them. Otherwise, isn't Jesus promoting sin if he makes it so easy that any old Gentile can come to him just through faith? That's what's going on. Do we ever do that in our churches? You need to look like me and the way I worship and the way I do church and the way I do my religion. If you do, then maybe you can be accepted. We like to add to that faith element, don't you, right? Again, the idea from the Jewish teacher perspective there was, what's the point of keeping the law if any sinner can just be saved by faith? Well, that's exactly the point, right? Wouldn't that mean Jesus is promoting sin? The way John Stott put it was this way. He said, if God justifies bad people, what's the point of being good? Can't we just do what we like and live as we please? Again, that's the argument that some of those teachers were giving and so Paul says, if I rebuild what I destroy, then I really would be a lawbreaker. Now, see if you can hang on to this with me here just for a second. These people, and hopefully most of you people, you come to God through faith in Jesus. Amen? At least for me, I know that it was a recognition of my desperate situation. It was an understanding of seeing my sin, and it was me knowing that only God could save me. That's what the gospel was to me. So I cried out in faith 
asking God to forgive me, knowing that I could not save myself. Can anybody else in the room identify with that situation? Right? I can be good enough. I need the Lord. But here's what happens to a lot of us, and it's happened to me over the years, and what happened to Peter, as we saw last week. But then, after God changes our hearts or their hearts, we can be tempted to earn our standing with God, and so we begin to rebuild what we have destroyed. Are you tracking yet? I'm not sure you're with me yet. So what they destroyed was the, uh, this idea, the idea that if I can be good enough, if I can do the right deeds, I can earn standing with God. But what, that's what Paul says. No, no, no. The gospel destroys that. It tears down that wall. But what we started doing is we're getting our bricks out and putting them down again. I had my devotions today. I sing my worship songs. I helped that old lady across the street. I did homeless ministry. I went to the jail. I went to the nursing home. My wife or my mom asked me to do something, and I did it the first time without even saying anything else about it. That's like three bricks, right? And we start building this wall of, look at what I'm doing. Look at how good I am. Look at my works, God. You should accept me because of what I've done. Paul says we are rebuilding what we destroyed when the gospel first came in. Because the gospel, when it first comes in, it blows away all the wall, doesn't it, right? None of this matters as far as it relates to being accepted with God. But I'm telling you what I see in the church, what I see in my own heart, is that initial moment where I've torn down the wall and I cry out in desperation. Well, then after the Lord changes my heart, then I start thinking, maybe I can build this wall. Maybe I can make myself good enough. And that's exactly what was going on at the church at Galatia. And that's exactly what sometimes goes on in the hearts of us as believers. So they're trying to rebuild the wall. But the point of the law is what? What's the law do? I'm hoping to go to the doctor this week myself. <laughs> Before you get your medicine, what do you need? You need a diagnosis, right? I mean, I could go in there and say, hey, doc, give me some penicillin. Maybe that'll fix all my ills, right? But what they've got to do is they've got to diagnose the problem. What does the law do? The law is not the medicine. Hear me out this morning. The law diagnoses the problem, and the problem is sin. That's the point. And so if you try to rebuild on your ability to keep the law, what you show is that you really don't understand the law at all. The point of the law isn't like, here's your list of 18 things, and if you do all these things, God will accept you. That's not how it works. The point of the law is, says, you are a sinner, right? Greg has shared with us even a few times, there's a famous evangelist who goes around, and what he does is he uses the Ten Commandments like the Ten Commandments should be used. And what he does is, well, have you ever, are you a liar? Well, no, I'm not a liar. Well, have you ever lied? Well, have you ever lied at all? Well, well, yeah, maybe once. Well, you're a liar. <laughs> are you a thief? No, well, no, I'm never a thief. Well, have you ever taken anything that was copyrighted that didn't belong? Oh, well. Are you a coveter? Well, no, that's horrible. Who would be a, have you ever wanted something that wasn't yours and you were really, bent on having that? Well, maybe one well, year a coveter. What's the law do? The law shows you the problem 
The problem is sin. Paul says, quit trying to rebuild what has been destroyed. Richard Foster has a really good illustration about how sometimes we try to fit people into our ideas of what church and Christianity should look like. He says, nothing can choke the heart and soul out of walking with God like legalism. Rigidity is the most certain sign that the, dis the disciplines have spoiled. The disciplined person is the person who can live appropriate in life. And so he shares this story of Hans the tailor. This is really good. Because of his reputation, an influential entrepreneur visiting the city ordered a tailor-made suit. But when he came to pick up a suit, the customer found that one sleeve twisted that way and the other this way, and one shoulder bulged out and the other caved in. He pulled and he struggled and finally wrenched and contorted, he managed to make his body fit the tailored suit. As he returned home on the bus, another passenger noticed his odd appearance, and he asked if Hans the tailor had made the suit. <laughs> Receiving an affirmative reply, the man remarked, amazing, I knew that Hans was a good tailor, but I had no idea he could make a suit fit so perfectly someone as deformed as you. Often, that is just what we do in the church. We get some idea of what the Christian faith should look like, and then we push and shove people into the most grotesque configurations until they fit wonderfully, and that is death. It is a wooden legalism which destroys the soul. Isn't that good? I hope you don't look like me because I have different gifts than you. And I'm not going to look like you because you have different gifts than me. But sometimes we want to shove people into our tailor-made suit, right? And the message this morning is that the gospel is you are declared righteous. You are justified by what? By faith. Faith alone not by keeping the law, okay? The law's job points us to faith rather than good deeds. If you are trying to build on good deeds, what you're basically telling Jesus is that his crown of thorns, the scars on his back, the nails in his feet and hands, they're just not enough. Your work is just not enough to deliver me. I need to deliver myself. Think about that the next time you're building your wall or I'm building my wall, right? Are you building your spiritual life on faith or on how good of a person you can be? There's your challenge this morning. Please don't give into the temptation to rebuild what you have destroyed. Work on improving your relationship with Jesus and ask him to increase your faith and your trust in the work that he has done. And then what will come out in Galatians chapter 5? Love and joy and peace, and patience, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control, right? Those fruits come out because of our relationship with the Lord. All right, so the good news here this morning is you don't have to rebuild your wall. You can be crucified, and then you'll live. Look down, if you would, in verse 19. There, Paul says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by what? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. Now you're getting it, right? When you see that earlier context, you put this together like, whoa, this makes sense, right? Through the law, I died to the law. So we've already covered that a little bit this morning. The law shows our sin. I disobey my parents. Well, I was pretty good, actually. They're here today, by the way. And you guys disobey your parents? Um, I covet what other people have. And you have that issue? Did you? They're just not even nice people. And look at the car they got. I have lust or hatred in my heart. You're like, well, wait a minute. Where is that in the Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not kill. Was that the same thing? Well, Jesus said it was in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, when you have lust in your heart, you are committing adultery. And he said, when you have hatred in your heart, you are committing murder. The law shows us our sin, okay? So through the law, I died to the law. The law teaches me that if I'm going to live for God, I need help. I cannot be good enough. The law teaches me that I'm a sinner and I need a savior. So the question this morning is, have you died to the law? Do you understand that you cannot be good enough to earn your way into God's favor? Well, we said over here when we had the series um, on being stuck is I would say this over and over, and I think a lot of people still didn't get it. And I would say, stop trying harder. How many of you are just always trying harder? Well, I went to church today and the preacher preached a really good message, and I thought, I will try harder to be nice to my neighbor this week. I heard a good message today, and I thought, I will try harder to watch good shows on TV and not that junk. I will try harder to stop messing with that addiction that I have a problem with. I'm just going to try harder. That's what I'm going to do. And here's the message today. Stop. Stop trying harder. It doesn't work. You're rebuilding a wall that's only going to mess you over. It's going to destroy you. You need to live and walk in faith. Be crucified to that flesh and let the Lord Jesus live through you. And then guess what? You'll be able to do the things that he wants you to do because he'll be the one empowering you to do them. And that's the gospel. We've got to share that message. Here's another problem that some of us have, your preacher has sometimes. Are you putting pressure on others to earn their way into God's favor or even your favor? Hmm? Oh, preacher, I'd never do that. Well, if you're going to come to church, I might mention a few things about how you're looking or behaving or handling yourself, right? Again, maybe I wouldn't say, you know, it's earning your way to heaven, but you'll be a lot more accepted if you do the things that I tell you to do. Do we live that way sometimes? Come on, people, be honest, right? (laughs) We have to be very careful because this is where the culture starts invading the gospel and it starts kind of eradicating this foundation of this idea that it is on faith alone. To live for God, Paul says he had to do what? He had to die. And not just die, he had to be what? He had to be crucified. Have you been crucified with Christ? 
But you remember that lady, she tells the story. She's like, well, I, I never did die to sin, but I did feel kind of faint one time. <laughs> right? Sometimes it's how we treat it, right? Paul said, if I'm going to live, I need to be crucified. I need to be crucified in Christ. And I think that's so important for us today. Paul's reputation, remember his resume? Just real quick, let's look at this just briefly. Diane, let's go down, if you would, to verse uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, what? Garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship or the participation in the sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul says, here was my reputation, and I've decided that it is garbage. Let's talk just briefly about reputation. This is from Tim Keller. This is really good. He says, when I was at school, my mother kept saying things like, you know, honey, you ought to join the chess club. I would say, mom, I hate chess. Yes, I know, she would say, but it will so look, look, look good on your college application. She would try again. Don't they feed the homeless and hungry downtown every Saturday morning? Why don't you volunteer for that? Mom, I'd say, I hate that kind of thing. And I would get the same response. I know, honey, but it will look good on your college application. So at school, I did all kinds of things that I had absolutely no interest in doing for themselves. I was simply putting together a resume. And that is what our egos are doing all the time. Doing jobs we have no pleasure in, doing diets we take no pleasure in, doing all kinds of things, not for the pleasure of doing them, but because we are trying to put together an impressive curriculum vitae by comparing ourselves to other people and trying to make ourselves look better than others, we are trying to create a self-esteem resume because we are desperate to fill our sense of inadequacy and emptiness. And Tim Keller says, the ego is busy. It's so busy all the time. Are you getting the message today? You could try to build your resume. You could try to rebuild your wall, or you can work on your relationship with Jesus. And once Paul died, he was crucified to sin. Once he stopped trying to fulfill the law, then he found real and true freedom. Today, if you don't feel awake or alive, maybe it's time to stop trying harder to pad your resume and forsake your sin and simply believe in Jesus. Hear me today. Hear me today. Please pray for your preacher. Please pray for yourself. It is so tempting to rebuild what was destroyed, isn't it? It is. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look what I'm doing. Look who I am. This is who I'm going to be. It is so tempting. But we need to remind one another that life and an incredible life is available to all those who will simply believe. You can think with me. Remember the, the tax collector and the publican? You guys remember that story, right? 
I mean, in my mind, the, the, the excuse me, the, the Pharisee in the text comes. Pharisee comes forward. I, I imagine him coming all the way up, up on the stage. It's his time to pray. He says, oh, Lord, thank you for all the blessings in my life. Thank you for making me such a holy, kind, good, nice, swell guy. I just love you, Lord. You've been so good to me, and you've made me such a wonderful person, and then I'm not like that guy back there. Remember that? What did the guy back there say? He wouldn't even look his eyes to heaven, and he beat his chest. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Be merciful to me, a sinner. That is simple faith, right? Remember the little Canaanite woman came to Jesus? She wanted help. Jesus says, I've come to the house of Israel, not to the dogs that you are. Can you imagine Jesus talking to a lady like that? <laughs> and what does she say? Oh, but Jesus, even the dogs get the crumbs sometime. And he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Was it her works? No, it was her faith. Remember Zacchaeus up in the tree? Was it his works? No, it was his relationship with Jesus. Remember the woman caught in adultery a few weeks ago? Was it her works? It was her simple faith in Christ. You guys, that is where it begins. That is where it ends. We too need to put our simple faith in Jesus. And so ultimately this morning, the life Paul says he now lives, he lives by what? By faith, not the law. The life he now lives, he lives because of the, li the love, excuse me, the love of Jesus who gave himself for us all. His argument is so good and so sound. He says, hey, if we could live by keeping the law, then what was Jesus' death all about? He didn't need to die. That was ridiculous for him to die if we could do this by keeping the law. But because he did die, we are able to have life everlasting. All right, guys, thank you so much for thinking and working through this passage today. I want one illustration here. I want to, it's actually a song, and it's a little bit tricky. But I'm hoping some of you maybe will be able to grasp onto it. And the title of the song is Embracing Accusation. Have you ever been accused of anything? And the, the point of the song is it's the devil is actually accusing the Christian of something. And the Christian basically says, I think he's right. And again, it fits this idea of are we going to live by our good works? Are we going to live? and what Jesus has done for us. So here's the, here's the title of the song is Embracing Accusation. And it starts this way. It says, the father of lies is coming to steal, to kill, and destroy all of my hopes of being good enough. I hear him saying, cursed are the ones who cannot abide. He's right. Hallelujah. <laughs> he, the devil, is right. The devil is preaching the song of the redeemed that I am cursed and I've gone astray and I cannot gain salvation. So I'm embracing accusation. Could the father of lies, could the devil be telling the truth of God to me tonight? If the penalty of sin is death, then death is mine. And I hear him saying, cursed are the ones who can't abide. And he's right. Hallelujah what? He's right? The devil is preaching the song of the redeemed, that I'm cursed, and I'm gone astray, and I cannot gain salvation. 
Oh, the devil's singing over me an age-old song that I'm cursed and gone astray and singing the first verse so conveniently, but he has forgotten the refrain. And what does the refrain say? Jesus saves. The devil is right. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things. You can't earn your way into God because the law teaches us that. But the truth is this. Jesus died. He did the work. And if you put your faith in him, he will change your heart and you can live for him. And that's the gospel. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. We've heard the joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves, right? Let that message go out of here this week. As you run into people and conversations and all kinds of things, the devil's going to come at you and tell you all kinds of lies. And every now and then you can say, oh, yeah, you got that one right. But let me bring the chorus back out here for you or the refrain. Yeah, the Lord, he paid it. And my faith is in him. And he will make me what I need to be. Let's stand this morning.